want to give a special welcome and shout out to everyone joining us online and I want to introduce you to the newest member of the Eagle family. Their family's worshiping online. Look at Paisley K. Harshbarger. It's Keith and Meredith Harshbarger's first child, born about 10 days ago. So Keith and Meredith, shout out to you guys. They're adjustment phase right now, right? Eventually they'll be back in the baby parking lot, but right now they're in adjustment mode. And just to encourage you, Keith and Meredith, you'll be in that mode for a good 18 years or so, but I promise it'll settle down to a new normal. But Paisley Kay's amazing, beautiful child. And Keith and Meredith are so committed to the ministry at Eagle, and especially to student ministry world, that guess where they're going to be in a couple of weeks, actually less than two weeks, a week from Monday, they're going to Ignite Camp. So Paisley Kay is going to experience her first Ignite Camp. And she won't even be a month old. Isn't that just like the Harshbargers? Uh, so she'll have like a good 15 to 20 Ignite camps in her before she <laughs> graduates. But congratulations to them. All you high school seniors, come on up here. Make your way up to the stage. You know who you are. All you high school graduates, we're going to do a little recognition of you out here and uh, acknowledge the accomplishment. And there's an insert in your program. So if you could pull out... Um, There's a little high school senior insert, so if you want to pull that out, put some names with some faces, let you know where these students are headed in the next chapter of their lives. And um, parents, I just want to say a word to you as these folks gather up here. I want to say, hey, good job. You made it to this stage. I know someone was like 50-50 for some of you, whether you're ever going to get to this moment, but good job. And then I want to say a word to everybody who serves in our children and student ministry. And all the investment, at Eagle, we like to say we're about three things around here, discipleship, missions, and next gen. This stage represents an 18 plus year investment for so many of you who serve so faithfully week in and week out. And the lower level with our kids ministry, so many of you remember when this crew, right, were downstairs hanging out in what used to be called the green zone or the yellow zone, the blue zone. And you remember that. And then they moved up to the loft and now they're standing before us at this threshold moment. So thank you for investing and pouring out your lives because this is the fruit of your 18 plus years of labor. So how about a big round of applause for our 2018 graduates? Good job. Can we see this crew back here? Ian, we got to get, we got to get some, come on, we got to get these guys. Hey, this is a photo. Hey, parents, right now, grandparents, you move wherever you need to move. Get all your photo moments here. Permission given. Get out in the aisles if you need to. Hey, students, this, make sure you're looking out here. Give them a nice photo right here. This will be like your last. Ian and I are trying to get out of the way for this moment. But um, seniors, I'm going to keep my words brief because you've had so many words poured into you, right? The commencement ceremonies that are just so life-changing, right? And, um, but in a moment, then Ian's going to come and just pray a blessing over you. But, but my words can be embodied in this statement. The Lord is going to set before you so many opportunities from this point forward. The opportunities that are set before you are God's gift to you. Now hear this, what you do with those opportunities is your gift to him. So I want to charge you to take this threshold moment and wherever God leads you, whatever opportunities he opens up before you, I want you to embrace them. I want you to step into them. Does our world not need a platform like this of young people who are going to move in to the brokenness and darkness? You guys... 
and we believe in you, and we're with you, and we've got a whole community around here for you, tons of extended family here for your graduation weekends, but hey, whatever opportunity God sets before you, my prayer is that what's said of you be the same thing that was said of David in his leadership. Here's what it said of David. It said that David, he led in righteousness. The word righteousness means he just did the right thing at the right time in the right way. That whatever opportunity God sets before you, that you'd lead in righteousness. And he led in the fear of the Lord. And the image was this. It said that David's leadership was like the rising of the sun on a cloudless morning. So may that be said of you and whatever God sets before you, that your leadership and whatever plow he has you put your hands to, whatever arena he places you in, whatever opportunity sets before you, your gift back to him is what you do with that opportunity. And may it be said, it'd be like the rising of the sun on a cloudless morning because you led and you ruled in righteousness and in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Mr. Ian, let's give it up for our student pastor, Ian Black, right here. He does such a great job. He and Brad and Julia... Ian, the fruit of a lot of years yeah. here and a lot of hours. So. These guys make me feel old. It kind of like gives me an insight into how Eric feels. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I just can't resist it. Yeah, I'm going to pray over you guys, but I, one, wanted to say that just because you guys are graduates now, that Eagle Church is not done with you guys. So we want Amen. you to know that we still care. We still want to be a part of your discipleship process. We want to hear from you, breaks, texts, like when you guys are back for Christmas, we want to see you. But kind of what I want to pray and for us to pray towards together is we want to have to share you guys, okay? We want to have to share you. And what I mean by this is we want you, whether you are staying here, jumping into the workforce, going into college, is like you got to find a local church, mm-hmm. right? Like you got to find a place to yeah. worship, to learn, to sit under, to do life with people. So we want to have to share you. Like I do want to yeah. see you at Christmas and Easter but if next summer I hear you say, oh, I can't help with Ignite Camp because I'm serving with my church in Ohio. Like, that's awesome. That's yeah. an amazing thing. And I think just don't buy into the lie that you will be able to follow Christ in isolation. is just yeah. not true. So find that church. Like, force us to share you guys because that would be an awesome problem to have. So with that, why don't we all just kind of like extend a hand of blessing to these seniors. We're going to pray over them together. Yeah. Yeah. Heavenly Father, thanks for the blessing what each of these young people is. One, Lord, we think of their family and their parents, and Lord, just the countless hours, all those years, the energy that has been poured into them, and we thank you for that. We thank you for heritage of faith and and legacy of faith that so many of these students' parents have. Lord, we lift them up to you as they go into a new season of life. One, we pray against temptation, all the places it comes from. Lord, we pray against temptation of the flesh, We pray against temptation that would come from others. Lord, we also pray against the enemy, the one who is roaring around looking for people to devour. We ask that you would protect them, that they would see lies for what they are, and that those lies would be exposed. Lord, we pray for each of them to fall more in love with you, that we'd be able to see just how much they love Jesus, that would overflow into how much they love the church. And also how much they love others. We ask that their, their conversation would be so seasoned with salt that people would want to know what is different about these students. Like what is it that makes them so attractive that they'd really be a light in the darkness. But once again, Lord, we thank you for them. Thanks for the blessing that they are to me and to our leaders and to our church as a whole. We ask that they would feel so loved by this body as they go in different 
directions, different places. And Lord, we ask that we would have to share them, that they would plug into other churches, that they would take just the call to be a Christ follower seriously, but at the same time that you would just do a work in their lives that they would not expect, that they wouldn't foresee. So we lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Another round of applause for the class of 2018. Good job, guys. Go ahead down. Good job. Congratulations. Perhaps your last group photo moment. How does that feel for all you guys? So, Hey, open up your Bible, 2 Samuel 23. If you've got a Bible with you, if not, pull out the message note sheet. Fire up the app. If you have the app, we've got the message notes in there as well. As we turn into the summer season, we're going to start a series we've entitled Summer Stories. So throughout the summer, um, we're going to be selecting different stories in the scriptures and just kind of uh, how their story impacts our story. And today we're going to be looking at a guy named Benaiah. Not a super well-known character, but a guy named Benaiah. He had an encounter with a lion. Now listen, we don't have a lot of encounters with lions apart from zoos in our area of the world. So we got to get a little context to a male lion. I put a few stats in your bullet. Here's a picture. So king of the jungle. They're called the king of the jungle for a reason, right? They grow up to eight feet long and they weigh 500 pounds, a male lion, run 50 miles an hour. So if you're ever right at the thought of you're going to sprint away from a lion, there's your answer there. And one leap, right? This isn't a triple jump by the lion. This is one leap, 36 feet. So when you think there's a nice safe distance for those of you who enjoy your little African safaris, 36 feet is your just one pounce. Bite pressure, 690 PSI. Human 120. So to help us kind of enter into this story, I want you to watch this video and just kind of put yourself in the shoes, right? Looks peaceful enough, right? Uh huh. <laughs> All right, Ted, you gotta roll that last section again. You see it now. You hear the window, right? Listen for the window. There you go, okay? So when you encounter a 500-pound lion, right, and that runs across your visual cortex, right, into the frontal lobe of your brain and sends a message to your body, here's the message it normally sends. Window go up. Ha! That's it right there. Okay. Now the character Benaiah, 2 Samuel 23. Here's Benaiah, verse 20, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel. And I had the privilege of visiting the Kabzeel area. It's just south and west of the Dead Sea. That's kind of geographically where he is. Who performed great exploits. 
He struck down two of Moab's best men. Now, the Moabites were like a thorn in the flesh to the Israelites. The Moabites had really strong fighters. So Benaiah, two against one, and he took the two out. And verse 21, or second part of verse 20 there, the best Moab's best man. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. I love it how the Bible puts in there on a snowy day. There's no book like this book. It's unbelievable. He goes into a pit on a snowy day and he doesn't go, ah, killed it. That's not all. Check this out. Verse 21, and he struck down a huge Egyptian. Now that word there is an understatement, huge, like really overly sized. Like you would be intimidated by the comparison. And not only that, look what this Egyptian had. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. I imagine so. Now listen, for King David, his life as a king was spent, a large portion of his leadership was to protect his physical existence. When you were a king during David's day, you spent a good portion of your life just surviving. And David had to survive the physical attacks from people like the Moabites and the Ammonites and all the other ites around. They just wanted to kill him. And then he had like an uprising and assassination attempts from within him. So if you were in David's secret service, you were the man's man. You were tough guy at a whole new level. And here we have Benaiah who becomes what? Captain of the bodyguard. So he's like lead of SEAL Team 6. He's like the Iron Man of the Avengers crew. Are you with me? He is the man's man. Now, if you're David and you're flipping through resumes and you're deciding who you're going to put in your secret service, can you see him when he comes across Benias? Like, you know, he has whoever brings him like, hey, here's some guys you may want to consider David to like put in your, you know, security detail. He's like, oh yeah, Benaiah, that kid from Kebzeel. Yeah, I kind of know about him. Two, he took down two, two of the Moabite men. Those were really good soldiers. Two against one, he took him out. Okay. And that like Goliath-like Egyptian guy, he took him out. And he just had a club. And that guy had a spear. All right. All right. And then wait, wait, wait. He did what? 500-pound lion in a pit on a snowy day. Benaiah did what? He jumped down in the pit. And he killed that lion. Okay, all right now, here we go. We've got the leader of my bodyguard right here. His name's Benaiah. Go get him. And here's what we're going to see today. I want you to see how our biggest problems and our deepest pain are often like an arrow that points to God's larger purposes for our lives. Our biggest problems and our deepest pain are often like an arrow that point to God's larger purposes. Because listen, on the surface, we have no context of what in the world's going on on Benaiah with the lion in the pit. You can conjecture a lot of things. Clearly, the lion was most likely eating a good portion of their herd, so he'd probably costing them a lot. There was probably a fair amount of people who knew about this lion. It's not like lions can just roll around the area fairly unnoticed. Their roar can be heard up to five miles away. 
So that was just a little purr you heard there on the video. That was just him like, just a little grumble. Five miles. So everybody knew about the lion in this area and must have been an irritant at some level. And Benaiah has to make a decision, right? He's probably just doing his normal chores for the day. And why I entitled the message, Benaiah and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. That's what the title, this is Benaiah's day. And some of you might be in the middle of a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad month, or a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year, or a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad decade, and keep on going. But, but here's what Benaiah, what is Benaiah? So Benaiah is encountering, this is not a good day. This is just him doing his chores, and then he hears the roar in the pit, and it's snowing, which the snow would tell you footing's not going to be great, which by the way, jumping down into a pit in that area of the world, it's all rock. There's one way in and one way out. It's not like you're going to go down there and scout it out. You with me? The moment you decide to go down into the pit, only one of you is coming out. And so Benaiah, this will be the definition of a big problem. I mean, this would be like, hey, everyone else is running away from the roar in the pit, and Benaiah runs to it. You see something here, right? When we move towards our problems, toward our pain, toward our fears, there's some, we got to move towards it. Because sometimes what we think is the wrong place turns out to be the right place. Sometimes what we think is the wrong time turns out to be the right time. Sometimes a 500-pound lion we're staring out ends up being an arrow to God's purposes. Do you know that some of your story sitting here right now today? The reason you're in Jesus' church, seated in a blue chair, worshiping his name, is because somewhere along the way, your biggest problems and your deepest pains, your 500-pound lion became like an arrow that thrust you towards him. And what you thought was the wrong place ended up being the right place. What you thought was the wrong time ended up being the right time. What you thought was an overwhelming and insurmountable situation landed you right where God wanted you to be, encountering what he wanted you to encounter. But it doesn't always happen that way, right? I mean, there were plenty of people who were no doubt out around that pit who could have dealt with the lion. Only Benaiah went toward the roar. Only Benaiah went, no doubt his adrenaline had to be off the charts. Only Benaiah went to the pit when everyone else is scattering away because this is, this is what we know about ourselves, right? You know, right, when you're, you're encountering something that seems so overwhelming. Some of you are going through some circumstances in your life. You never chose those. They were chosen for you. And you wake up in the mornings and you become a bit paralyzed by your new normal. And you have no idea. It's like the 500-pound lion just keeps roaring all around you, just keeps circling your life. And you don't really see any other way but living in the midst of that circling roar. And here's how you know you're kind of paralyzed in your fear or you're paralyzed in your problems, in your trauma, in your pain. Because sometimes pain can become so overwhelming, you just stay cycling around in it. And you just kind of set up camp in it. And you decide not to really move towards it. You kind of shrink away from it or you just kind of put your head in the sand on it. And you know you're kind of stuck in your fears and you're stuck in your pain when you've got some thought processes like this, when your plan is binge watching Netflix for the next however many days in the hopes at the end of the binge watch, current reality is somehow shifted. 
Or you go and pick up the next 12-pack, or you pop that bottle of pills for whatever. You withdraw from the circle of friends that you know are trying to help when all these things are going on. Now, follow this, and then you begin to look with a jaded eye and a resentful spirit, and you get bitter about everyone else's life that you're convinced around you is going way better than your roaring lion life. When you get in that cycle right there, there's a good chance you're with Benaiah's crowd running the wrong way. And Benaiah shows us that you got to move toward your pain. You got to move toward your fears. You got to move toward the problems, no matter how big they are. They could be 500 pound lion sized. But if you move toward them, they can become an arrow that's pointing that God's up to something. That's an explanation for some of you landing in this city. You're in this city working at the job you're working for because somewhere along the way, a 500-pound lion had to be dealt with. You might have lost your job. You might have lost uh, a loved one. You might have lost a marriage. You might have lost a child. You lost something, and you were thrust into dealing with the 500-pound lion. You had to relocate. You had to get a new job. You had to move a family. All that stuff, some of you, that explains the ministry you're a part of. Now, as a pastor, one of the things, most often people show up in my office and the conversation is about the 500-pound lion. Are you with me? And what I've been amazed watching happen is how God takes this young man or young woman or older man, older woman who's bound up in addiction and meets them and they move toward it. They see breakthrough in it and then God deploys them to have an amazing ministry in addiction recovery. Do you see that? That becomes an arrow for them. Or I mean, someone who's gone through the traumatic experience of divorce and all the unraveling with the family unit, perhaps a child of divorce or a spouse of divorce, and they work through the recovery process, and then it becomes an arrow pointing to what? An amazing ministry to broken families. That's how God does this. And that's your storm of your story this way. So whatever your biggest problem, whatever your deepest pain, some of you who have have experienced tremendous loss and the grief recovery process, do you know that can become an arrow pointing to an unbelievable ministry to help others who are going through massive loss? That's how God does it. But hear this now, that only happens if you go Benaiah's way. Benaiah's way is what? You gotta move toward it. You can't run away from it. And you say, well, wait, Pastor, wait, wait, wait. If I move toward it, how do I know I'm going to get through it? Like, how did Benaiah know it was two against one with those really two good Moabite fighters? How did he know he was going to win? Or how did he know when he jumped toward the Egyptian Goliath? How did he know, like, that guy had a spear and he just had a club? It'd be like baseball bat versus a really big one. And like, how did he know? Or how did he know, like, okay, the pit with a lion. I was thinking, what's your plan when you get down in that pit? How do you know? How do you know you're going to get on the other side of it? Here's the deal. You don't. Well, that's great news. You're happy you came to church today. You don't know. That's the point. Have you figured this out yet? God loves the atmosphere of uncertainty. He loves it. We, for the most part, detest it. 
God loves to move us into this space where we have no idea how we're going to get through whatever it is we're staring at. You got no idea how that 500-pound lion's going to get taken out. That's the point. But here's what you do know. You know it's never going to get taken out if you run the other way. The only way you know is you got to jump down in the pit. And then what? Benaiah, right? Benaiah had no idea the Moabite guys are going to take him out. He did. He had no idea the Egyptian Goliath. And he did. He had no idea what was going to happen with that line, but he did. See, uncertainty is the soil in which our faith flourishes. There is no depth of faith built in our walk with God without an experience or an environment of uncertainty. That's why God loves it so much. That's why our lives spend so much time living in the center of a question mark. And the sooner we can embrace this as followers of Jesus, the smoother the relationship's going to go. Because if you're working really, really hard to try to be in control of every, every outcome, you know, kind of control freak to the nth degree on all aspects of your life, have you figured this out yet with God? He's, that's not his high priority. Like you're going to try to get, you're going to get every area of your life like under control. You're going to get the family front, the work front, the health front, all these other fronts, ministry front, spiritual life front. You're going to get all these plates spinning just the way you want them spinning. Or it's like you get them all set the way you want and then God blows the whistle and everyone jumps out of the pool. You figured that out yet? That's what God does. And then he thrusts you into the next 500 pound lion. Every single one of us in this room is going through some great battle, period. We all are. Every single one of us. Every single one of us is staring at a 500-pound lion. And the question is this. You going to move toward it with Benaiah, or are you going to run away from it? And to move toward it means you get to move toward it in an environment of uncertainty. You say, how do you do that? Well, I think this is where Benaiah's story is such a great one. This only, this only text we have of this guy's whole life is right here, which is why he's so unknown. This is it. This is Benaiah's entry and exit in the biblical story right there. I can't wait to hang out with Benaiah in glory. Won't that be something? I can't wait to say, bro, like when you got down to the pit, what, what'd you say? Here, kitty, kitty? <laughs> like, yo, like what? And that little video clip we just saw, like when that male lion's face turned towards you? I mean, you kidding me? And then how about you knew Benaiah had some, he knew he had his crew out there. No doubt they're probably at the top of the pit, probably placing bets at the top, right? Who you got? I got 20 on Benaiah. Oh, I got 50 on the lion. Yeah, I mean, they're up there, right? How about that scene? Here's what I believe about Benaiah. And here's the window for us to how we're going to be able to step towards it and not run away from it. You see, I think there was another lion in Benaiah's life. You know, the Bible describes Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I think Benaiah, stay with me now. I think Benaiah had such a relationship with another lion, capital L, and that lion was so big in Benaiah's eyes that it just right-sized those two Moabite soldiers. He knew if God was with me, what can stand against me? 
He knew that God plus anybody is a majority. He said, those two, those two guys, they're bad-mouthing the king of glory. I'm in. I'm dealing with it. It's not about Benaiah's strength. It was the lion of the tribe of Judah who's so big. That Egyptian Goliath, that Egyptian Goliath got right-sized. It didn't go away. It got right-sized in Benaiah's eyes. That, that lion in that pit, it became a little bit more like a house cat in Benaiah's eyes because the lion of the tribe of Judah was so big. He said, if God is with me, nothing can stand against me. This thing's got to get dealt with. I'm moving toward it. And no doubt, tons of fear, tons of uncertainty. He wasn't for sure he was going to get through. I'm sure he came out with a fair amount of scars on the other side. He no doubt had some scratches, but he lived to tell it. Can you imagine the stories this grandfather was saying to these kids? He's like the grandpa of all grandpas you want to go hang out with now. And sit on his front porch and hear these tales. But the only way he could tell them is what? When the roar came so loud and the problem seemed so big and the pain seemed insurmountable, Benaiah moved toward it. And he did it with great courage in an atmosphere of uncertainty because God was so big in his eyes. It didn't remove the circumstances. Notice, he still had to go and fight the Egyptian. He still had to take on the two Moabite soldiers. He still had to jump down in the pit. It's not like God just zapped them all out. No, no. He still had to enter in like we all do and have to do the hard work of dealing with whatever needs to be dealt with to get through onto the other side, to experience the arrow. Do you see this? An arrow saying, Benaiah never would have become captain of David's bodyguard without what? Without moving toward his biggest problems, without moving toward his deepest pain, without moving toward the Egyptian Goliath, toward the Moabite soldiers, toward the pit and the lion. He moved toward it, and the end result was he ends up leader of SEAL Team 6. So, what's your 500-pound lion? We all have one. Are you caught up in the throes of some secret addiction that you're convinced no one else around you knows, but you know God knows, and you know you know? You got some 500-pound lion at home. You got some things that, you know, on the outside, white picket fence, two-car garage, everything looks so good. But on the inside, you know uh, there's a 500-pound lion stuff going on inside the home. Or maybe it's a 500-pound lion of, you know God's been tapping on you for a step of obedience on something, and you know it, and you've known it for a while, but you just haven't been able to muster up the courage to say yes, because there's so much uncertainty. You're like, Lord, if I say yes, where does that lead? And God's like, well, say yes, and let's go. Well, I'd like to know where that goes. Step one, two, three, four. Let's see where step five, six, seven goes. The Lord says, take step one, I'll let you know. Because God loves the soil of uncertainty. He wants to grow our roots of faith in all the unknowns. And he wants us to muster up some courage. And the courage comes from what? When the problems get so big and the pain seems so overwhelming, God's like saying, hey, the lion of the tribe of Judah needs to get bigger in our eyes. You know, some of the fruit of when we gather on Sunday mornings. Why is it so important that we stay connected as a body? And graduates, you graduating seniors, so important for you. Like what Ian was saying, get connected somewhere. And if you're having a hard time, get connected. At least stream with us and stay connected this way. At least have some input with a larger body of Christ. Because when we gather together, we connect with one another. You know what starts happening? Usually, 
Sundays at noon is hopefully the best perspective on our current realities. Are you with me? Sunday about noon, when you're headed to lunch, usually right there from our time together this morning, songs we're singing, prayers we're praying, messages we're hearing, just time with God, your circumstances that you're walking out into, they haven't changed. But what changed? God just got a little bit bigger. Perspective a little bit. Some things started shifting around. The roar's still there, but... Maybe just a little bit more courage to move toward it and not shrink away from it. So what's your 500-pound lion? That you know God's saying, hey, it's time to display some courage here. As a church, what's our 500-pound lion? You know, church, as a church, we battle 500-pound lions. Four years ago, we had a 500-pound lion as a church called $4 million of debt. You remember that? Those of you who've been around here for a long time, that was a 500-pound lion. We could put a $4 million lion on that one. And by God's grace today, we're probably just about to go under the 300,000 mark left on the balance. That's a 500-pound lion. Because of your generosity and God's faithfulness, right? That's amazing. But hear this. Hear this now. Which thrusts us into the next 500-pound lion. Say, God, you've released us from all this debt to deploy your resources for what purpose? How do we continue to move forward with discipleship and missions in next gen? Right, that's our next 500-pound lion to say, hey, we're not going to shrink back. We're going to display courage and be bold in the ministry and the mission he's called us to. As a church, we've got we to keep moving towards our 500-pound lions. The message we're going to look at next week is tied to this. What happens when you move toward one and deal with a 500-pound lion, and on the other side of it, you find a whole pack of them? That's real life. That's a little preview of coming attractions next week. That's where some of you are right at. You dealt with one, and then there's a whole pride of them right there. You're like, what's up with that? And listen, I'll close with this. As a, as a country right now, do we got some 500-pound lions, gang? We got some 500-pound lions as a nation. This year alone, in the first 21 weeks of this year, 23 school shootings. 23 in 21 weeks. Gang, that's a 500-pound lion. Do you know how many leaders, some of you are in that, many of you in the educational system, many of you serve in high positions of leadership trying to do some things about this. There's a lot of smart people getting together in a lot of rooms, and we commend you for your efforts. And at the end of the day, here's what we all know. There's a level of honesty coming out of this that the smartest people around are saying this, we're not quite sure what to do here. You with me? Because if there were some easier answers to this gang, we would be shutting this down. This is not an easy situation. This is complex. This is a 500-pound line. But here's what we do know. If we don't move towards it, it's not going away. And it's the role of the body of Christ. We've got a role in this gang. God's put us here for such a time as this. And we've got some 500-pound lions as a nation. And here's what we don't do with the 500-pound. It doesn't do any good to get on social media and diatribe out your paragraphs of whatever, whatever side of the aisle you're on. That's not helping anybody. Our role as followers of Jesus is to get in the center of this, pull hands from both sides of the aisle. Pull it into what? In love, in wisdom, in grace. We pull it into this. That we know the one who holds the resources to deal with this 500-pound lion. 
We sang about him earlier. Did you find the lyrics of the song connected to this? Do you see this? We know the name that has the power, resources, and ability to drive back the forces of darkness. We know the name who can bring the light and the hope. We've got a massive crisis going on in our nation, and it's time for the body of Christ to stand up and say, we've got the answer, and it's a one-word answer, and his name is Jesus. And it's time to reclaim that name at the center of this nation. When Jesus' name gets reclaimed at the center of this nation, that 500-pound lion is slain in that name. And so that's our job. Gang, we got 500-pound lions all over the place. And graduates, hey, you seniors out there, I want to commission you as an army of Benias today. You need to go out into this world and move toward these 500 pounds lions. Do not shrink back on these college campuses or whatever vocational platform he puts you in. Do not shrink back. Cause these next four years of your run to be the strongest four years of your faith. Come back to us and report on all the ways you're seeing God slay 500 pound lion after 500 pound lion. And it's gonna start with you guys. We're gonna, right? We're gonna need leaders to lead and rule in righteousness. Reclaim Jesus at the center of leadership. Do it his way. Move toward these overwhelming circumstances. Students, it's gonna start with you. And you've got full support from an army behind you this way. But we need you to be some Benias. Gang, we got to raise up some Benias. Parents, we got to pray Benia-type prayers for our kids. Our role as parents is to bless and release and empower these Benias. Equip them. And then be there for them for perspective. Because listen, when you get in the middle of that battle, hey, it's not going to be bloodless. You're going to get marked up, scarred, beat up that way. But hey, we're not going to deal with this if we don't move toward it. And as a church, we got to own that. And so that's why I want to close this morning with what's in your program. I've called it Lion Chasers Manifesto. Pull it out. Thanks to Michelle and our communications department who did such a nice job of making it a little bit more of a keepsake look for your font here. If you didn't have this in your hand, you can pick it up on your way out too. But I'd love it, especially for all you graduating seniors, I want you to put this somewhere. And then parents of graduating seniors, put this somewhere. This is how we fuel our praying, Right? It's a lion chaser's manifesto. This is what it means to commission Benias. Are you with me? Here's how it goes. Quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Run to the roar. Set God-sized goals. Pursue God-given passions. Go after a dream that's destined to fail without divine intervention. Stop pointing out problems. Be part of the solution. Stop repeating the past. Start creating the future. Face your fears. Fight your dreams. Grab opportunity by the mane and don't let go. Live like today is the first day and the last day of your life. Burn sinful bridges. Blaze new trails. Live for the applause of nail-scarred hands. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Dare to fail. Dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Chase the lion. By God's grace, 
let that be the legacy of this body. That we move out as lion chasers running to that roar. Because our biggest problems and our deepest pain, like an arrow pointing to God's larger purposes, but we'll never enter into it if we don't move towards it. Let's pray. Jesus, we need a mighty movement of your spirit, not just with our graduating seniors, for sure, with parents, with our young people growing up in our children's ministry, with our students, with us adults, for our congregation. God, we pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit that you would expand expand in our eyes the vision of your greatness, your glory, your splendor, your majesty. That the lion of the tribe of Judah would get so big in our eyes, just right-size the 500-pound lions that so many of us are staring at. And we pray you would deploy us and send us forth, Lord, into this world. God, as a country, it seems like the lion roars is causing us to cower in fear. And in Jesus' name, we want to rise up in the power of your spirit and move towards the brokenness and the darkness and bring your light and bring your hope. So deploy us, raise up a generation to do that. And whatever battle we've come in here with, God, lift up our eyes today and see maybe that battle, maybe that 500-pound lion is an arrow. Make it be so in Jesus' name. Amen.